Uh, if you would like to turn to the Gospel of Luke, I'll be there in just a few moments. Uh, I'm going to share with you multiple passages of Scripture today, but I want to begin with one verse from Luke chapter 2 here in just a second. But uh, as you're turning and as they're exiting the sanctuary, allow me to take a moment and to welcome uh, our online audience this morning. May the Lord richly bless you and allow me to say Merry Christmas to you where you are today as well. But for a few moments, I'd like to revisit this amazing Christmas story. And today, I believe it is more important than ever for us to make sure that the world knows this story. And as they were singing this morning, there's many things we could expound on with the words that is in many of the courses and the verses of songs that they sung. But I believe Ralph Sockman said it best at one time when he was speaking. He said, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. And I believe that to be true this morning. We today, as we're getting ready to close out a year that it seems like we just began, I believe that the world needs to see the church not in a place of defeat, but in a place where it is walking with the joy and the freshness of the Holy Spirit of God in it in such a manner that once again we become contagious, where we become something that the world begins to desire. This morning, you and I, we have a reason to rejoice. There is many people all around this globe today that is still searching for that thing to fill that void in their life. And I can tell you that all of us has been guilty of trying to accomplish that. But we today that have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, we stand here knowing this, that there is a piece of us that has been fulfilled that could only been fulfilled because of him. So therefore, I want to give you one verse as we begin to work from this morning in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 11. We find these words. It says, for unto you, look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you this morning. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What a powerful passage this morning. As we assemble together on this Christmas morning, may we be filled with thanksgiving for the gift that we have received through the birth of this holy child that is presented in this passage of Scripture. But for a few moments this morning, I would like to revisit this event that has forever changed the world. It is probably the greatest defining moment that humanity has ever known. Let us begin this morning by examining and taking just for a moment and focusing on the arrival of this child. The arrival of a Messiah was talked about for years. It had even been prophetically predicted by some of the most noble men of their day. Many had come to the point where they was even anticipating and looking for him, but yet they did not really know too much about of how and when. However, there was a few clear signs given in Scripture and given through prophetic utterances that would identify him when he did come. No man knew when he would come. They was just believing that he would. Today, there are still those in the earth that are still expecting him to come. But can I tell you today, we know according to the Scripture that he has came. But not only did he come, but he is coming again. And therefore, we can take great joy in that as well. But notice with me, we find that in Scripture, there is a couple of things concerning his arrival. I mentioned last week just briefly that there was a time in the history of Israel 
When the grandson of Uzziah was the ruler of Israel, he was a man that was evil uh, amongst those of his day. He did not regard God. But however, it was a time in history when Israel was on the brink of being destroyed. Its enemies had come against it, and they had come together and partnered together and saying, we are going to destroy. But we find when you begin to read through Isaiah chapter number 7, we find that the word of the Lord sends Isaiah the prophet and says, tell them not to fear because that which they're hearing is going to come to pass will not take place because there is going to be a day in the future where Israel is going to remain. I am going to protect her. I am going to safeguard her. But those that are coming against her, they will utterly be destroyed. And in the middle of this uh, conversation, we find that the word of the Lord comes again to the prophet and says, go tell him this. And we find it in Isaiah 7 and 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know today that the name Emmanuel simply means God with us. However, that is not the only sign that was given, but we know this. Uh, he says that he would come from a place called Bethlehem. If you was to read in Micah chapter number 5 and verse number 2, you would find that the prophet is writing and he says, Bethlehem, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth uh, unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. However, the prophet Isaiah went on to tell us a little bit more concerning this child that would come at some point in the future. This child, uh, it was of great importance uh, as well as it had great responsibility associated with it. Isaiah chapter number six, uh, beginning in verse, uh, or chapter number nine rather, beginning in verse number six, uh, it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Uh, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. But notice this, the final thing that is said, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we find that the arrival of Jesus uh, is something very unique. Uh, he's going to come from the womb of a virgin. Uh, he is going to be born in a place called Bethlehem that is often looked over uh, by those of the day. Uh, however, uh, it says that this is going to be brought to pass uh, by the zeal of the Lord of hosts uh, who will perform it. Uh, so now we can fast forward into the gospel of Matthew after 400 years of silence uh, and you will find that in Matthew chapter number 1 verse number 8 it says this now the birth or verse number 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise uh, for when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together she was found with child uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, now what are we talking about this morning uh, in order for us to get a full understanding of what was happening, uh, we must come to Luke chapter number 1 in verse number 26 through verse number 33. We find that it was in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And I ask this question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth this morning? Uh, to you and I, uh, notice with me, to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Uh, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Uh, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, uh, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no 
in. Notice with me, we have heard these passages of Scripture over and over throughout our lifetime. But notice Mary was just a young girl. How she was supposed to process what is just given to her in this angelic visitation. Uh, she is getting ready to start her life uh, with her husband Joseph. Uh, everything seems to be going well. Uh, but all of a sudden, an unexplainable visitation from a citizen of heaven... Uh, begins to shake her world uh, to the core. Uh, but notice, as a young lady, uh, Mary has to decide, uh, will I believe uh, or will I stand here in disbelief? Uh, can I tell you, we find in chapter number 1, verses 34 through 35, that she begins to have conversation with the angel Gabriel. She simply says, uh, how shall this be seen that I know not a man? Uh, and notice uh, the very thing uh, that the prophet Isaiah had mentioned to uh, the angel Gabriel confirms it again. Uh, Isaiah had said the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this thing. Uh, but now the angel Gabriel is simply saying, uh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee uh, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, uh, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, he shall be called uh, the Son of God. Uh, can I tell you this morning, we're not talking about just any baby. Uh, we're not talking about just any child, uh, but we're talking about the Son of God this morning. Uh, can I tell you, uh, this is something that you and I uh, should not walk away from, uh, but we should sound it from the rooftops of our lives. Uh, because can I tell you, there's a world this morning uh, that is dying, uh, that is desperate uh, and all the while we have this baby Jesus uh, that is no longer a babe lying in a manger uh, but he's living and dwelling inside of you and I this morning uh, if by faith we have received him uh, and can I tell you uh, where he is there is still life uh, where he is there's still liberty uh, where he is there is still fulfillment uh, where he is there is still joy and peace that passes all understanding uh, I want wonder if there's anybody in this room with me this morning uh, that would say I still have the joy of the Lord uh, you know, I wonder if there's anybody in this room that still says I have peace uh, that passes all understanding uh, I wonder if there's anybody this morning uh, that can still get excited about the fact that they realize uh, that I once was lost but now I'm found uh, I once was on my way to hell uh, but now because uh, of a man named Jesus uh, on this Sunday morning uh, even though it's Christmas, you may have to forgive me just for a moment uh, because I'm not here out of religious obligation. Uh, I'm not here to just to check a box this morning to say that that's what I was supposed to do. Uh, but I come to tell somebody this morning uh, that he's still alive uh, and he's still well uh, and he's still able to do exceedingly and abundantly uh, what you could ever ask or think. Uh, so you may have walked in here and your life is a mess, uh, but can I tell you, Jesus Christ, is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. Give him a shout of praise this morning. Mary finds herself in conversation with Gabriel and simply says, how can this be? And I like his response after the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the high shall overshadow thee. That which you're getting ready to bring forth, he shall be called the Son of God. But then in verse 37, it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. You missed a good place to shout right there this morning. Because some of you find yourself in what you think is an impossible situation this morning. But can I tell you, the greatest gift I can give you is this, that God's still God. Amen. And Mary said... I think we jump over this a little too fast sometimes. But Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. That is the most beautiful picture of surrender that you can find in Scripture. She didn't understand it. She had to process it in a moment. But she knew in the realm in which she was, it was something different. 
And she said, let it be unto me according to thy word. And in that moment, we see upon her willingness to believe that there was a fulfillment of that which was spoken. In that very moment, something happened that cannot be explained by science. But the Holy Spirit of God impregnated a woman the age of around 17 years old that had never been with a man because of her belief. I wonder this morning, for the sake of not going on too many rabbit trails this morning and trying to stay focused, I wonder what it is that has not yet been birthed in us because of our unwillingness to believe what if we would have faith like Mary did and we had began to say let it be according to thy word concerning me wonder what could be coming out of the church today in America I just wonder this morning and we find that you know the story so I don't have to read all of it but the angel Gabriel had said something to Mary that was very significant. said, oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, she's six months with child now, and her womb was barren as well. So she runs to where she is. And she runs in and begins to have a conversation with Elizabeth after this encounter. And in the middle of that conversation, in verse 45 through 48, you will find that it says, and blessed is she that believed for thou shalt be a performance of those things which was told her. Immediately, Elizabeth understood, said, listen, because of your faith, because of your belief, there is a performance of what was said. You're going to begin to experience something. We now fast forward this morning to nine months after this encounter in Luke chapter number two and we find that you're very familiar with this passage. But we find that Joseph, who had his own struggle during this event, but had a visitation from the angel of the Lord as well, and when he would have privately put her away, the angel of the Lord said, that which is of Mary is of the Holy Ghost. And we find that upon him believing and accepting that, it says in verse number seven, that chapter number two in the gospel of Luke, that Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He went there to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, been great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Which brings me to the second part of our story for today. Not only was there an arrival of this child that had been prophetically spoken of, but his arrival brought a second visitation of the citizen of heaven. Notice with me, this time we see the angel of the Lord does not come to Mary, but comes to the area in which Mary is. And we find in chapter number 2 and verse number 8 that there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to some people. It shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse number 13. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. 
And it come to pass that the angels were going away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. We see the impact of this visitation was so great that it caused the shepherds to leave the field and to search for that which was spoken concerning them. Oh, how I pray this morning for this generation so that they too would leave their field in search of that. This morning, can I tell you today, Upon finding the child lying in a manger, it propelled them to begin to give voice to all that had transpired. Think about it this this morning. You're watching the field to make sure your sheep are safe. And all of a sudden, there's a disruption. And the angel of the Lord appears and says... There is something special that just occurred. Probably, if we would be honest, we would simply say, what did those other shepherds put in my drink? Or what did they put in my food? But then we find that it wasn't just one, but it was all of them that was in that field that began to realize they were seeing something supernatural. It touched them in such a manner that it prompted them to leave and to come. And they found Mary, Joseph, and a baby lying in a manger. Which brings us to the third part of our story this morning. The element of proclamation. Notice in verse number 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 2. It says, and when they had seen it. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered if these things which were told them by the shepherds was really true. And then we find that the shepherds returned in verse number 20 glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now if that's not enough, my friend. The story continues. Notice the arrival prompted a visitation that then prompted a proclamation. But that proclamation did not just stop with shepherds. But when you begin to continue this story, you find that according to the custom and according to the fulfilling of the law, that when baby Jesus was laid in a manger, he did not stay there. But we find that eight days later, According to the process of the law, Mary and Joseph is carrying him wrapped and bring him to the temple. And they was going to offer a sacrifice on behalf of him according to the custom. But by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will find that there's a man by the name of Simeon that had had a conversation with heaven at an earlier time. And Simeon, he was a man that had had some things revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, if you was to read Luke chapter 2, 25 through 27. And the Holy Ghost had shared with him that he would not see death until he beheld the Lord's Christ. And your Bible says that he came by the Spirit into the temple at the same time that Mary and Joseph arrives with baby Jesus. And when he walks in and he sees him, he picks him up in his arms and he says these words in verse number 30. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The proclamation was so profound, it says that Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. 
If that wasn't enough, at the same time, the same instant is what your Bible says. There was a lady. She was a widow for 44 years. She was an old lady up in years. She had been there for 44 years giving herself to fasting and prayers in the temple since her husband had passed. And she walks in and she begins to once again proclaim and confirm that this is not an ordinary child. You say, what does all of this mean this morning? Can I tell you today that you and I can sit here with great hope, great anticipation, not just about eternity, but even our future and our present. Can I tell you this morning, we know today that he was not just a mere child born in Bethlehem, but something happened in Bethlehem that day that had never happened before. It had never happened in any other place on this planet. Let me take us back, and I'm going to bring this to a close in just a couple of moments. In Genesis chapter number 1, we know this. In the beginning, God created. We know shortly after he began to create, he created man in his likeness and his image. We know that man was placed in the garden. We know that man walked with God, had communion with God. But we also know that man fell and partook and disobeyed of the commandment of the Lord. We find that from that time to the present, man had a void. We find that that which the blood of goats and bulls could not accomplish, we find that there was a need for a Savior, a Redeemer. And we find that while the world did not understand and still does not understand, something transpired on this particular night in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is found all throughout Scripture. It's a very unique place. Not on the most successful list of really saying that's where you need to be, but we know it's a little farming community filled with grain fields and pasture has been for many, many years. Simply located about six miles outside of Jerusalem. Today we acknowledge that it is located in what we identify as the West Bank. Many people from all over the world come and visit it today. Places of interest such as Rachel's tomb, and the Church of the Nativity, the Shepherd's Fields, the hillsides where the livestock still roam today. Herodian's fortress is there, and all kinds of things we could talk about. We know this morning that Jacob's wife, Rachel, she's buried there. You can go visit that tomb today. We know that Bethlehem, while it had some unique history, it was nothing like happened on this particular night. We know that throughout reading our Bibles that Naomi and her husband and their two sons, they left Bethlehem because it was a time of famine. But however, we know that Naomi returned after the death of her husband and her two sons, and she brought Ruth with her. And we know that it was in the fields of Bethlehem that Ruth gleaned, and then we also know it was in Bethlehem where she married Boaz. We also know that King David is a place where he was born, and that's why it's called the city of David. All of these things are unique in history. All of these things have great meaning. However, one of the greatest things that we could ever say happened to any place in the world is the fact that it was in Bethlehem that Jesus was born. The very name Bethlehem is significant to me because the simple fact is, most of you probably are aware, Bethlehem simply means the house of bread. Isn't it ironic that our Savior was born in the house of bread? You say, why is that significant? Because if you would fast forward 33 years after his birth, you would find 
him standing and talking to his disciples and others in the gospel of John chapter number 6. You will find that a current events uh, in this passage that you read is pretty amazing. You will find that there is a group of people, a multitude of people, and there's only a boy that has five loaves of bread and two fishes, and it's multiplied, and the multitude is fed. You'll find that there's a storm that is raging, and Jesus comes walking on the water and calms it. But we find that greater than any of those things that you'll read in chapter number 6 is the proclamation and the declaration that Jesus himself makes. He makes it in this manner in chapter number 6, verse number 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Can I tell you on that day, there was a bread that came that wasn't made by the hands of men, but it was from the storehouse of heaven. And I want to tell somebody this morning that the only way there will ever be a fulfilling in your life is when you make the decision to begin to eat of that bread. It was not until this night that the house of bread ever possessed a bread that would feed man and not just feed them for a couple of hours, but it would satisfy them for all eternity. Oh, that we would once again begin to proclaim the true meaning of the arrival and the visitation on that glorious night in Bethlehem. I wonder this morning, is there anyone who is willing to proclaim to the world today that that bread of life is still present and is still able to meet every need? I stand here with great joy today, but I also stand here with great heaviness because I understand that after 2,000 years, we are still failing to tell the world that Jesus is the reason and he's still the answer. Does it set well with me this morning, on this Christmas morning, that there's 3.4 billion that have yet to hear Jesus? While David had something unique to say concerning Bethlehem and the natural, I think we must understand in the spiritual realm it still rings true. You will find that there was a time when Bethlehem was inhabited by a garrison of the, Pharisee, uh, of the Philistines. David and his mighty men is outside the city and he made this statement concerning the natural well of Bethlehem. He said, oh, that I might have a drink of the well of Bethlehem just inside the gate. Notice three mighty men of David. They jumped from their place and they went in and they grabbed the king a vessel full of water. Can I tell you, not only is he the bread of life, but he is a well that will never run dry. And the Bible tells us, that Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 6 and 35, not only am I the bread of life, but if you will eat and drink of me, you will never thirst again. Wonder why our world is so hungry and thirsty today. Why is it that our children are so, at a very young age, trying everything that the world has to offer? Can I tell you, just to try to fill a void, can I tell you, there is only one answer today, and that answer is Jesus. But how will they know unless someone is willing to go? On this Christmas morning as they come to the music today, those of you under the sound of my voice, you are probably going to leave here today and you're going to go sit with your family. You're going to sit around the kitchen table and you're going to eat too much and you're going to reminisce and you're going to talk about all kinds of things. But if we're not careful, we'll spend this day with very little regard Concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. We've started very well this morning. We've come to the house of the Lord and we are acknowledging him. 
But can I tell you, we make little impact if this is the only place that we acknowledge him. But when we leave this house, he must go with us. Because, oh, what a Savior we have. You say, but preacher, listen, I'm not saying we beat people in the head with our Bible every day. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we must live in a manner that the world once again becomes hungry and thirsty for this baby that we celebrate today. But can I remind you this morning, he's no longer a babe lying in a manger. No. He's no longer a lamb been led to slaughter. It's going to be beaten and bruised so that you and I could have life. But this morning, he's sitting on the right hand of God, making intercession for you and I. Think about that this morning. He's interceding on your behalf and on my behalf. There's a song that has been sung by so many over the years, but it's simply titled, Oh, What a Savior. Allow me to give you just a few lyrics of it this morning. It says, Once I was straying in sin's dark valley, no hope within could I see. But they searched through heaven and found a Savior to save a poor lost soul like me. He gave his life's blood, yes, even for me. The chorus of that particular song simply is this, oh, what a Savior, oh, hallelujah. His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail-scarred. His side was riven. But he gave his life's blood for even me. But then it brings us to a place of realization that every one of us needs to understand this morning. Death's chilly waters I'll soon be crossing but his hand will lead me safely over then I'll join that chorus in that great city and I'll sing up there forever and evermore oh what a savior oh hallelujah his heart was broken on Calvary his hands were nail scarred. His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me. So please forgive me this morning if maybe there's some tears in my eyes and a heaviness in my heart because can I tell you, he's did more for me. There has to be an acknowledgement of who he is today in our lives. This isn't religious activity this morning. This, this isn't just going through formalities. But can I tell you, because he lives, you and I this morning, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because he lives this morning, you and I can lift our hands in certain hope, knowing that this is not all there is. This morning I can take rest and comfort. Even though around my table today my mama won't be there and my daddy won't be there, but I can take comfort in knowing that this isn't all there is. But there is a day of reunion. 
where there'll be no more pain, no more death, no more sickness, no more disease, and it's all because of babe that was born in Bethlehem. I wonder if anybody this morning can just shake all the stuff off that life has brought you and stand to your feet and lift your hands and say, I'm going to give him praise one more time this morning because of who he is. I don't care who's around me. I don't care what's going on in the world, but oh, what a Savior. Can I tell you this morning, he loves you. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your not knowing. You say, why does the real purpose, as we stand all over the house this morning, what is the real purpose about this babe that was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger real purpose is this. He came so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, Bethlehem. Your history is rich. But on this day, Bethlehem, was a place where heaven touched earth in a manner that would forever change the world. But can I tell you, the God that we serve, while he sits high, he looks low, and he's not just concerned about touching an earth, but he's concerned about touching you. This morning, we're standing together on the risk of being a little too preachy for some this morning and maybe letting the air out of the balloon for some others I have to be honest with you today and tell you that we're in a we're in a defining moment today. Today is all we have. You and I, we can't go back and change yesterday. And while I have plans and looking forward to things in the future, just like you, I have no promise that I'll ever obtain them. But today's the day. It's the only day I got. Concerning today, our Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. That means today is the, the day that all of us need to make sure that it is well. You see, the most amazing thing about this babe that we talk about in Bethlehem is it's no longer in that manger when we follow his life and we know that when he was making learned men at the age of 12 scratch their head and say who is this then we see him 33 years old been mocked and ridiculed and falsely accused and not opening up his mouth but he allowed them to Plant a crown of thorns on his head and to put 39 stripes on his back. We see him fall under the weight of the cross. We see when he got to the top of Golgotha's hill, when he could have called 10,000 angels, he chose to lay himself out on a tree that he created and he allowed them to drive nails in his hands and his feet. 
when the earth turned dark and the earth began to shake and they pierced his side and everything emptied out of him. It is then that he was able to no longer in the natural fight for himself it seemed but very early in the morning the first day of the week there was another visitation of the heavens that came and can I tell you since that time he has made the decision to live and to dwell in the hearts of man and we find in Acts chapter 2 it says for any that will call upon the name of the Lord they shall be saved what he's saying is this for any other will put their faith and trust in me I will come and live and dwell in them I wonder this morning if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that is yet to say Lord I need you as my Savior see this isn't about religious things this is about personal relationship today you say, well, I'm young and I've got plenty of time. Well, I, I, I don't know if you do. See, it's not based on age. It's just this life is just a vapor. I've carried infants from the morgue. I've carried teenagers from the morgue I've carried 20 year olds 30 year olds 40 year olds 50 year olds 60 year olds 70 year olds and all of them had had plans for the future all of them their future didn't come I know it's Christmas Some of you think, man, you, you'd make my life real easy, preacher, if you'd bless me with $1,000 today or $500 today. You'd meet my need, this and that. Listen, I've got something more valuable than anything that the world ever has created, and that's just simply Jesus. But this gift you have to receive by faith. Just like Mary had to receive the word of the angel by faith. Joseph had to receive the visitation by faith. The shepherds in the field had to receive it by faith. I wonder this morning, have you received him by faith into your life? Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I want to pray with you today. Lord, I thank you for this Christmas morning. I thank you for your love towards us. I thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. I thank you for the health and strength that you've given every individual under the sound of my voice today. Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, you've walked with us. You've walked before us. You've protected us. You've defended us on levels and at times that we don't even know of today. And we say thank you. But today, Lord, We lift our hearts and our voices because we truly are grateful and thankful. But Lord, before we leave your house today, we want to pause and we ask Holy Spirit just to 
settle down in this room and just move as only he can so elegantly and respectfully and Lord I pray that if there's a man or a woman under the sound of my voice or even a child that would say I, I, I've heard of this Jesus I've read about this Jesus but maybe they could say I've even followed after him at some point in my life but in this current moment I, I know I'm not where I should be I've not really surrendered my all to him Lord if they'd be one this morning Lord there's nothing greater that could take place on Christmas morning than for a man or a woman to lift their hand and simply say I ask you to be Lord of my life So, Lord, today we pause and we give place to Holy Spirit in this room. And as we stand reverently and quietly in your sanctuary today, I ask Holy Spirit just to gently tug on that heart of that man, that woman, that boy, that girl. Simply say, oh, you need this child. It's been talked about today. You need him living in your life. Lord, as that's taking place this morning in this room, I would, no one looking around, Lord, I ask that if there's a man or a woman, boy or girl, under the sound of our voice this morning, you'd say, preacher, you're talking to me this morning. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand and put it right back down. Is there one in this room? God bless you this morning. Is there another? Just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, today, Lord, you saw the hands today. Lord, I pray that right where they stand with their families, Lord, this morning, right now, they would simply just say, Dear Jesus, can we all just pray this prayer together this morning? Dear Jesus, we acknowledge you to be the Lord of our lives. We are sinners in need of a Savior. So today, Father, we ask you to abide in us. We ask you to be Lord of our lives. We ask you to lead us and guide us from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.